This week's episode of Two Tools Baseball Podcast covers wildcard weekend wrap up. The Guardians, the Mariners, the Padres, and the Phillies all advance to the next round. The American League and the National League Division Series preview. And who do you have going to your league's championship series? We'll tell you our picks coming up now. Hello, listeners. My name is Alex Jonitz, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd. He was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 78 Coming at you guys, we're currently recording this Sunday night about 8.30 p.m. Travis, the wild card round is now completely finished. One of the four series did go to the game three that was today. Um, it was, of course, the Padres at Mets. Really exciting duel, or not kind of a one-sided duel, I'd say. Musgrove really sticking it to the Mets. A one-hitter combined from the Padres pitching staff. Uh, just overall... Um, a dominant game three win for them, but we're going to go kind of series by series and break down kind of how we saw, you know, the events that unfolded, you know, what we kind of make of the these results. And then we'll also then dive into how we think that kind of ties into the next round. We'll kind of preview the four series that we're going to be watching this coming week and kind of give our take on how we think those might unfold. So uh, Travis, which series do you want to start with? We'll start with the series that I just want to get out of the way because it was pretty know. painful watching it. And I that know what you're is, talking about. Of course, the Tampa Bay Rays at the Cleveland Guardians. Alex, um, if all, you like if you like pitching, yes. maybe it's the, maybe it's the series for you. If you love pitching, if you love defense, if you love just l- the least amount of excitement, this would be the series for you. Um, we'll kick it off. We'll start it off. Uh, to sum it up, Cleveland went on to sweep. They won in two games out of three against the Rays. A combined, Alex, a combined four runs through 20, I think it was 24 innings wow. of total baseball. Four runs combined when you look at both teams. So the offense was not not awake at all pretty much the whole entire uh, series with this one. Pitching, though, was awake. Pitching was dominant. Bullpen usage was dominant from both sides. Cleveland, of course, won game one, two to one. Big two-run homer from Jose Ramirez, their captain, their guy, basically their 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 new franchise guy, got them the win in game one. Of course, also Bieber having a stellar start, one of the best starts of the year. Also, McClanahan having one of the best starts of the year as well. Both guys went on a duel, but one home run edged out the other uh, the other pitcher. So they went on to win the game one to nothing. Game two, Alex was a absolute. You had to be dedicated to the game to be able to watch this game. 15 innings ended up being a walk-off home run. Oscar Gonzalez, who is a rookie, uh, highly, you know, a highly valued prospect in the Cleveland Guardians system, uh, added to, of course, the playoff roster. He's played, I believe he played the last two or something amount of months with the Guardians. And it was actually a pretty good performer, but decided to kind of end things, Alex and the Guardians season continues as they go to the division series. But I mean, I, I guess you make it, you make this series as 
The pitching was phenomenal on both sides. You have to look at Kevin Cash and how he was just a genius when he used his pitching. And you can't really blame him for anything. Your your team can't score one run in 14 or 15 innings. That You really can't do much about that. But, uh, I mean, great usage from him. Great usage from Frank Kona and his bullpen. Really did not know Cleveland had a lot other great bullpen arms coming yeah. out of the pen. I always thought it was Karnacek and then also Class A. But so many other guys that came out of the bullpen that were great. Um, the interesting, I guess, move of the series, I will say, Alex, and kind of giving you your take was, but putting Kluber in, uh, Kluber is the guy that lost the game. He was a Cleveland Indian for a very long time. And that's where he made his career, uh, comes in basically, of course, gives up the home run, sends his team home, sends his, pre- not previous team, but the team that he's made his career with to the American league division series, but thoughts on that move, Alex, do you like bringing in that starter? Maybe not even that power starter. He's, he's up there with age. We know that they, the stuff has kind of declined over the past couple of years, but still, of course, a very decently good pitcher. Uh, what's your thoughts on image your What's your take on that whole situation in that inning? Yeah, I don't have any problem with it. Once they got to that point, once you get to, you know, whatever inning it was, 14th, 15th inning, it gets to the point where you run out of, you run out of options, right? And I, I remember seeing a list from like it was both teams bullpens and like it was like the list of guys that had not yet been used and both teams had like three options left and it's like either we're really scraping the bottom of our bullpen or we're going with the guy who is typically a starter. But I think going Kluber makes sense because at that point no team was really even though some team either sometimes they could get, get a man on base or you know maybe a man in scoring position uh once in a while even though it's pretty rare uh it just felt like ne- neither team was gonna get it going so i yeah. understand you pick mm-hmm. kluber maybe he we might, we might need three or four innings from him and better to use just the one pitcher and kluber versus like three other bullpen arms mm-hmm. if they even had that many left available so i understand the decision um i think the only you know if you're gonna criticize i guess anything um, you know, Glass now got pulled pretty early from the game. I think only through five innings, if I'm not mistaken. I mm-hmm. think it was like 70 some pitches. I don't have it in front of me, but I think that you know, we've seen most. Uh, we've seen the Rays do it in the past, but we've seen most smart teams be really kind of. Um, l- they're very limited with how long they leave in a starting pitcher in the playoffs, even if they're being dominant, like Glass now was being very good. Um, so I think that part of it may have been um, just, you know, third time through the order kind of thing. We don't want to let him go third time through, fourth time through, uh, and so on. Just, uh, you know, keep him at a reasonable pitch count, even though he was kind of shoving. So yeah. I think that is the real reason why they ended up having to use Kluber, because they didn't get that much length early in the game from Glass now, even though he was pitching great. Uh, and then so they had to use bullpen arms in, you know, the sixth, seventh, eighth, um, which, of course, they didn't expect it to go 15 innings. Yep. Um, so that kind of uh, came back to bite them. But, I, I mean, Kluber has been solid. I think that they understand, you know, I think Kluber's not the same pitcher he was in Cleveland. So it's mm-hmm. not like Cleveland had some sort of, like, edge on him. I don't think that's the case at all just because, you know, Tampa, or, yeah, Tampa Bay, he's a lower velo guy now. They've kind of reinvented him. He's just all about control i feel like yeah. and just kind of placing the ball so sweeping slider that kind of stuff yeah uh, sinkers low in the zone but like i guess something got left right yeah. in the wheelhouse of, of the rookie and i will say good point on glass now uh i kind of view it as it you know it's your first start of the playoffs 
you might as well almost let him run, go out there and see how long he can go. And maybe he can go eight innings. Maybe he can go, you know, a full, uh, you know, maybe possibly in a full nine, you know, and just kind of save that bullpen up. But of course you didn't know how the game was going to turn out. If cash knew this game was going to go 15 innings, he probably would have kept glass now out there. Uh, and, and really would have utilized his bullpen for the situational matchups. I, I think I saw Josh Naylor come up like three times in extras, and every single time he came up, Cash went to the mound and put in a lefty, and then Josh right. Naylor was easily retired for the next out. It was just genius work right there where he was thinking, I'm not going to keep the righty in. This guy has had some you know, spontaneous power throughout the season. He's actually had some very big home run moments throughout the season. I think there was a game sometime this year where they were playing the White Sox, and I think the White Sox were beating the Guardians by like six runs or something like that. And the and the and the Guardians, you know, came back. Josh Naylor, I think, had two big home runs uh, in the later part of that game, and they won the game. But he's had some big moments with the Guardians. But uh, you know, great, great pitching, I would say, from the Guardians and from their bullpen. I mean, you got to tell me, uh, it was Tristan McKenzie and also Shane Bieber, who just shoved. They both just shoved both games. That's got to be a very good sign, of course, for Frank Kona, knowing that they can go into the division series against a very good offense and have that elite pitching uh, for for you know New York's bats. But uh, any last thoughts on that series, Alex? I know there wasn't really too much to cr- too much craziness to talk about between those two teams, but uh, right. we got to see. I mean, we, we got to see a pesky Cleveland Guardians team that's young, that is just really. Strong, I would say strong, of course, in, in, in all assets, but I mean, really strong in the aspect of the pitching side. Contact has been their name of the game. Power is not their name of the game. So it will be interesting to see how they battle with a team that is just used to using their power in the Yankees. Um, that's how they win ball games. So any last thoughts on that? Yeah, I'll just add that I think J-Ram was a, just a massive difference maker for Cleveland. Um, Ramir- he had that one hell of a play on defense. Ramirez had a third base web gem to, I believe it saved the run. Yep. And then also uh, a home run in the first game that was the deciding, you know, it was the only two runs the team scored. So, yeah, I think that J-Ram was obviously monster. Uh, he was, you know, the MVP of the series mm-hmm. for them. Just he, he's the MVP of the team, obviously. He's their guy, uh, franchise guy. So, uh, him being there and contributing was obviously huge because I remember our last episode, I kind of talked about I wasn't sure how healthy he was. I wasn't sure how much he would contribute uh, because of, you know, health and stuff injury wise. I know he had an injury a couple months back, so uh, I know how amazing he is. But to mm-hmm. see him actually being able to perform both sides of the ball, huge boost for them and their chances to kind of go on a run here. Um, it would be much more difficult without J-Ram because some teams can get by without the superstars. Like we'll talk about, you know, the Padres without Tatis later. We'll talk about the Braves without Acuna last year, you know. But I think like the Guardians without J-Ram, it's like, oh, it's, it, 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 it's Kearns, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, him being huge for them in that, in that, that two-game series was uh, very important. But Yeah, important for him. I think game one, it was important that he was the guy that hit the home run. It's almost like I'll carry this team, put them on my back, practically put the franchise on my back. Uh, let me lead you to game one and let's let the young guys hopefully come out in game two and can finish off the series. But that kind of sums up that series. Alex, we'll now go to the other American League series. And this thing was the exact opposite. It had so much offense, or at least game two had so much offense. 19 runs combined in game two. Seattle, though, I mean, talk about a team in game one that just won the game in such dominant fashion. I mean, 
you look at, at how you win baseball games, great pitching, great offense. Those were just all A plus for the for the Seattle Mariners in uh, in game one, and then game two got out to a huge, huge uh, deficit, climbed their way back, and that's that's basically what great postseason teams do is the never uh, never say die attitude, and that's what Seattle did in game two. Toronto, one of the craziest collapses in you know recent postseason history, eight one lead in the game. You should be able to secure that. I think some very bad managing on uh, on Toronto's part with what they did with Gosman. I think Gosman what pitched uh, he, he didn't go long enough. That's all I'll say right there with what we know Toronto's Blue Jays bullpen has to offer. Not the strongest bullpen we've seen, of course, in this playoffs, of course. But uh, I guess thoughts on game one, thoughts on game two. What's your input on that series, Alex? Yeah, I think that I, from the get-go, Travis, um, would have done things differently if I was managing from Toronto's side. I don't want to act like it's completely on the coach and stuff yeah. and, and, and the other decision makers involved because the players also uh, have a job to do as well. And uh, I felt like they definitely, the bats woke up in game two. But I, I, just, I just think that, you know, I'm not sure if the decision to go Manoa game one over Gosman had something to do with like their spot in the like the schedule from the regular season or something like that. But I just feel very confident, super confident in my belief that Gosman is the ace of the team. And I think he would have matched up better against Luis Castillo. Manoa obviously didn't. He kind of dropped the ball in game one, which allowed Castillo to be able to kind of cruise um, to a shutout seven or eight innings or whatever it was. I think seven and change. Um, you know, Castillo really, once you gave him a three run, you know, lead to work with, it felt like it was almost game over as yeah. long as the, the Mariners bullpen was going to show up, which of course they did. I think that overall Gosman did his job in game two very well. Uh, they did pull him with, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was bases loaded, none out. He got two outs and then they pulled him and then, uh, the reliever Miza, he threw a pass ball and then gave up a home run, which is just like talk about inherited run, yeah. inherited runner scoring, right? Definitely blew up Gosman's ERA, even though I felt like Gosman probably had a chance to uh, attack Carlos Santana with some splitters and stuff, you know, for the switch hitter. But I think that um, I think that Gosman uh, should have been their guy a bit more. I don't love some of the bullpen arms. I think they have some solid bullpen arms in Toronto, but. I think that, you know, the likes of Bass and Romano, um, their ERAs are a bit lower than some of their other advanced stats. Uh, and I wanted to touch on something briefly, Travis. I think that um, there was a lot of rumors at the trade deadline about Toronto targeting uh, Rizal Iglesias from the Angels. And that's something I was really tuned into because as an Angels fan, I was like, oh, are we going to keep Rizal? Are we going to trade him? What are we going to get? You know, definitely was thinking about that. And I think they were like thinking about trying to get Thor and Rizel in a package. And then I was like, you know, what could we get from that kind of thing? So I was tuned into that. And they ended up instead going and getting, uh, of course, Bass and Pop from Miami for Groshans, their prospect Groshans. So um, I just think that the move for Bass, who had like the low ERA versus Rizel, who had the high ERA, you know. But I could, I mean, I feel so, so confident that Rizel is the better reliever. Um that I think that they really missed out on not pursuing him or another guy like him um, just because, you know, it, 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 I don't want to pin one outing on Bass, but he did allow 
um, some guys to get on base, uh, allowed a run to score, I believe. There were some slap hits by the Mariners, kind of some pesky uh, balls that could have been outs that weren't outs. And then, of course, they put in Romano, and he kind of did his job up until uh, a flare into a no man's land, no man's land in shallow center field. Of course, Springer and Bichette collision was just something like so shocking to see and hoping that Springer's okay. I still haven't heard anything about Springer. Mm-hmm. Um, he was obviously alert when he got carted off and stuff, but don't know if he uh, you know, got a concussion or what may have happened. But He'll have time to rest, that's for sure. I mean, he will have a, he will have an entire <laughs> offseason to rest. You're right yeah. about that. There's no reason to rush him back for anything. But I, I just think that, you know, uh, I don't want to pin it on Romano either because that flair is, you know, it's an out most of the time, right? Yes, yeah. It just happened to be right in the middle of two guys. And Springer looks like he almost was going to get there, but he kind of saw the Babchette collision coming and had a tail off. But, you know, it's just a, a, a worst-case scenario yep. for the Blue Jays, um, how that inning went. Um, but, yeah, I think that, you know, Romano and Bass, um, for me, that's like a small little part of the story that maybe not everyone is picking up on. I really feel like a guy like Rezal Iglesias um, I, one more reason why I was really kind of keen on this story is I remember when that trade was rumored as like, oh, Blue Jays are highly interested in Rizal Iglesias from the Angels at the trade deadline. I remember that some uh, Blue Jays fans on Twitter were like, he has a 4-5 ERA. Like, yeah. I don't want this guy. He'd be the worst guy in our pen or something like that. And I remember like I I was like at work and I opened up Fangraphs and I was like, I'm going to look at every Blue Jays reliever and prove that Rizal is better than all of them based on like strikeout percentage, mm-hmm. based on, you know, FIP and all this other stuff. But the ERA didn't tell the story for Rizal, and it shows how dominant he's been with Atlanta yeah. the second half. And the ERA so. shows the, uh, it tells the story from in the second half. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, e- the ERA kind of has corrected over, over time. So, um, which we knew. I mean, which you knew that Iglesias is not going to be reflected on that ERA. And right. I, I think also with, with some of the usage we gave him. At, as you know, Madden would use him in certain situations. It was definitely a big question mark, and so yeah, he, he, we we knew we knew he's still a dominant closer, a dominant reliever, and any team would be lucky to have him. And of course, Atlanta, what a smart organization! They're thinking, you know what? He's our guy. We're only, we're only going to give up Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson to get this guy. And look at him right now. He's he's basically helping Kenley just shut down these games uh, in in the end of the innings. But um, but yeah, I, I just I just think that I don't want to harp on some guy that's not yeah. even on either of these teams too long. But I just think that the Blue Jays um, might be slightly squandering a window here. I yeah. think that they definitely have a title window here where they can be one of the truly elite teams. Um, of course, there's there's a reality where Springer where Bichette gets a bad beat in the ball. Springer has all the space in the world, makes a diving catch. It's a legendary play in yeah. Blue Jays history. They're up eight five going into the momentum's on their side. Yeah. Going, Going eight five into the ninth, Romano closes it down, and then uh, they go into game three with a bit of momentum on their yeah. side. I think it would have been um, Stripling on the mound against Gilbert. It would have been a fun matchup. Yeah. Could have gone either way. So I think that uh, there's you know, it's hard to kind of blame too much on a little you know two game sample size. But I think the Blue Jays needed to be a little more aggressive at the deadline. Mm-hmm. I would have done some things a bit differently uh, with how they kind of coach this this series and with the arms that they use and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, Travis, the Mariners played good baseball. They, you know, are the kind of the hot team uh, in some regards, uh, both with the bats and some very good pitching outings, even though they kind of, they really got to Ray and then some of the bullpen arms earlier. Seawald had some yep. trouble. Mm-hmm. 
I still think Munoz is one of the best relievers left in the playoffs, and uh, there's still enough going for you if Ray is at least good. Uh, maybe not great, but at least good. And then Castillo will be great. Uh, he's been uh, just a monster every time I've seen him in the postseason, uh, mainly just 2020 and now. But yeah, I think that there's tons going the Mariners' way, and I'll look forward to kind of discussing how they'll face up against the Astros later in the episode. But uh, let's keep it rolling, Travis. Let's go to the NL now. Um, I think we should start with the Phillies versus the Cardinals. Uh, I guess give me your reaction to a 2-0 sweep by the Phillies. I think we yeah. we both like the Phillies in the series. That's what we said in the last episode. We like the Phillies going in. We think that their, their front two pitchers are super, super... Uh, you know, I think with the Mets being eliminated, it's the best front two that are remaining in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's you know, the Wheeler-Nola duo is really special. And the bats woke up for the Phillies, at least enough so, to kind of out-hit out the Cardinals, who it really felt like Arenado and Goldschmidt slumping was a big uh, storyline as well. So, but give me your yeah. your reaction to that 2-0 series. Yeah, bats woke up for Philly uh, at the probably the best time possible, ninth inning of game one. Um, just what an explosive comeback that Philadelphia pushed and was able to overcome that deficit to get the win on Friday. And then, of course, on um, on Saturday, I mean, 2 nothing victory. Nola just shoved the ball. Harper had a home run, uh, you know, getting their big bats back into it to provide these big moments. Uh, Philly definitely just, it seemed like after that, um, after those runs were scoring in the ninth inning of game one that they just kind of awokened and you know when you lose a game like that in a three-game series you definitely know that you have to get these wins uh dialed down when it's a three-game series if it's a seven-game series okay shake it off we still have many more games to play in this series but it's it's just funny how in three-game series that that win just needs to be taken care of and i kind of wanted to dive into that game one alex because i really just had a huge huge problem i feel like with Marmol and his managing at that moment in the ninth inning. I know he's a rookie manager. He's brand new to the game. But to me, it just seems interesting that you bring in. First off, you have Quintana going what? I think he shoved. I think he went like six innings or something like that. Six scoreless. Um, Six scoreless. Great, great start considering where he was a year ago, especially as Angel fan. You were thinking this guy is literally on the verge of. He, losing his job in Major League Baseball. He, he cannot. He, he literally got cut from our rotation, demoted to the bullpen. And then I think we just cut him out right. Yeah. He just got picked up by the Giants for, yep. for nothing. Yep. So that's where he was a year ago. And then now he's starting a game one going six shutout. And then you see him go six. Looks great. They take him out, I believe, just because of the matchups. And it's funny. Quintana is a lefty. And I think that the Phillies only have, I think it's only Schwarber and like Harper and possibly even like maybe like Bryson Stott in their lineup who are lefties. Everyone else is a righty. So it's a very righty uh, friendly team. So you think that that's already a bad matchup, but he's been able to get around two times to the order very, very successfully. Take him out in the sixth. And I, I don't, I, you know, I don't pay too much attention to the Cardinals, but I just, it seemed like their bullpen might have been light when you look at, you know, how many arms they have in the pen. Uh, they go to, I think, Jordan Hicks next, who has a really good inning. And then they go to Giovanni Gallegos. And I think he gets him to, it was like the eighth inning with like one out. And then basically you put in the big guy, Ryan Helsley, to get the five out save. And, you know, five out saves, that's something that Mariano, Mariano Rivera could do very easily. And 
almost it was almost it was almost locked down and common for him to come out there and lock down those six out saves, five out saves, whatever you needed him to do. But asking a guy like Ryan Helsley and also asking a guy like Ryan Helsley that has had a lingering little injury from I guess the previous week, he had a line ball, uh, a line drive baseball come back to him and hit him in the hand that he pitches with. So asking him to come out there and get you five outs in basically the most most stressful time of the ball game. Um, I think that was definitely a, a interesting choice by by Marmol. And then of course, when he comes in the ninth to finish the game, he gets the first out. I think it was I think it was Reese Hoskins. He gets he gets uh, swinging, but then um, I think it was he allowed uh, Real Muto to get on, and then it just seemed like I think it was three straight walks after that. And like walk, walk, and then he hit Bohm. That's right. And then he, you, you knew things weren't going he, well. He hit Bohm, and then you basically have a run come in, and it's two one one out. Yes, a double play can still end it, but then you're thinking, okay, like get this guy out of here. You can't walk three guys in a row or let three guys on easily and then expect to still keep, you know, be, be kept in the game. It's funny. They actually sent the um, the training staff or they sent the uh, the the medical staff out there to go check on him. And, and they were wondering what was going on. And then they were looking at his hand. They were saying, where was his hand cramping up? He took a line drive off that hand about one week ago. Was it was there like a broken finger that we don't know about what's going on? And then they actually do one warm up pitch and. I'm thinking to myself, if they leave him in the game, like I think Marmol might Marmol might be the craziest manager I've ever like seen manage a ball game because how do you let the guy like this stay in the ball game? They ended up taking him out, and I think the fans actually started applauding because they're like, "Thank God they bring in a new pitcher," and it just seemed like baseballs were hit to infielders, but. It was yeah. just almost like the perfect placement for some of these contact and, hits. And I want to talk about that a bit too. And so I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you, you know, talk about that. But it was just so funny, just how that whole entire inning progressed, and just how the Phillies were just putting the ball in play, but in the right spots and with the right base runners on base. It, it was just, it was honestly, it's like it's fantastic luck baseball right there. Right. Uh, I like what you said about the Helsley thing because. He, I mean, he's been their guy. He yep. was, if if not, if Edwin Diaz didn't exist, he'd be my closer of the year mm-hmm. uh, for sure. All the ERA likes him. All the advanced stats like him. He strikes out guys a ton. Pumps he, 102, 103. He, he yeah. throws, yeah, the fastest fastball, I think, of the season. Um, so there's you know, too much to like about, you know, what he's been this year to the Cardinals team. Um, and they kind of asked him to get a lot done for them that game, and he was not able to do so, partially, I'm sure, because of what happened the week prior, like you mentioned. But, um, you know, asking a guy who it's his really first breakout year, asking him to get you five outs in a, not a must-win game per se, but felt like a must-win yes, game, yep. you know, a game when you are winning and it's a high-pressure scenario, um, you know, in the playoffs for the first time, it's definitely a really big deal, so... Uh, I'm not saying the moment was too big for him, but I'm just saying that uh, to some extent I agree. Maybe you should have found a way to um, bridge the gap to the ninth better for Helsley. Um, but some pitchers are just totally fine with doing multiple innings. Like Diaz has been doing that all season for the Mets mm-hmm. as well. Um, of course, you know Diaz is kind of one of a kind this year, so I don't want to say everyone can do what he's done. But, you know, Rizal Iglesias did that for the Angels last year. Um, tons of guys, when it just feels like it's their year, are able to do that kind of thing. You know, Liam Hendricks is fine with going multiple innings too. So, um, Helsley, uh, it seems like to, uh, that day, Friday, was not able to be that kind of guy. And it came back to bite them. Then they go to, I don't know if it's pronounced Payante or Palante, but 
apparently he's a ground ball pitcher, but they bring the infield in when it was bases loaded and one out. I believe was it one out or two outs? It was for, one out for Segura. It was one out because and, double play would have ended it. And so I really don't understand. Right, right. Because yeah, they brought the infield yep. in, and I don't understand why the middle infielders weren't at double play depth. Yeah. I really think if uh, I think second base was Edmund yep. and shortstop was I'm not sure, uh, but either way, I think that you need to have those guys playing a bit deeper because you turn two, you win the game. Uh, you only would need to go home if you know that you don't have a chance to turn to. Segura is fast, so maybe there's just a, a worry that, you know, a slow roller to second base, we need to make sure we go home because maybe he'll beat out at the third first. You know, the, I understand it's kind of a complicated scenario, but I just really think that <laughs> I was thinking those guys should be a little bit deeper. And then, of course, Segura on a ball that's like a foot outside of the strike zone just slowly rolls it, and it beats out the second baseman because he can't get to the side farther enough. If he was like 10 feet farther back yeah. or 7, 8 feet farther back, he makes that play. Um, I don't know if they for sure can turn two because the ball wasn't hit that hard, but I think there's definitely a – it could have been a double play ball for sure. There's a world without the double play ball to win the game. And then from there, Travis, it and, goes – And a good shot to basically get one out. Get one more out and get two outs in the inning. Sure. And it's a 2-2 game. Sure. And 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 instead, it becomes two runs on that hit. And then the damage just kind of continues. A couple more dinks and doinks. Um, even a, a Brandon Marsh ball gets past Arenado. I don't think it was an error, but just a ball that he... So, so someone, he has that 99.9% of the time, which I, is just... yeah. I was about to say, someone tweeted... Uh, that's Arenado makes that play nine times out of 10. And then someone in the comments is like more like 99 times out of a hundred, which yeah. is like definitely more accurate. Uh, I just, it's just so um, crazy how the Segura slow roller past Edmund turns into uh, a scoring fest just yeah. based on, you know, it just shows how like the little small decisions have this butterfly effect. If Edmund was, if Edmund's positioning was slightly different, you know, how things could have been different. But yeah, I, I, that whole at-bat for Segura, in my head, I was like, if, if you're the Phillies, a strikeout is better than a grounder here because mm -hmm. a slow grounder, could you get doubled up and you lose the game. Uh, meanwhile, I'd rather just have two shots with two batters, two rolls of the dice um, if we're just focusing on you know line drives instead of grounders. But uh, the grounder ended up finding no man's land. Definitely, def Travis, definitely some Phillies magic that game. And it really reminded me of like the Nationals wild card 2019 mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. they really felt like they had a magic Juan Soto base hit yep. that got past Grisham, you know, that felt like the similar kind of vibe for me, even though it's not a, a identical situation. I feel like there might be some magic on the Philly side right now. So we'll see how their run kind of continues. But game two, Travis, um, just overall, I think, you know, Harper showed up kind of like the J-Ram thing I said about uh, about ramirez with the guardians i think that harper hitting a home run in game two for the phillies was also kind of like you know our guys here like our guy showed up and it's definitely probably uh great for the, for the dugout the great for the rest of the guys to see that you know harper's leading by example here um i think that's a huge help of course and mm -hmm. then nola had a great great outing but what was your main takeaway from game two travis yeah i mean game two was basically two names it was harper and nola i mean basically Harper got on the run and Nola shoved it for six something innings. And so 
Uh, the, the main takeaway, I think, for game two and, and also probably game one as well is that the big stars of the Cardinals, Goldschmidt, Arenado, just non-existent. I think it was, what, like one for 15 in the series, both of those guys combined. So when your superstars are not coming to the plate and performing like they've done all season in a small sample size in a little weekend series, you're going to have a big problem. Um, and then, of course, you have a, a, another interesting, a, you know, a little interesting uh, lineup that Marmol rolled out there with Pujols batting second both games. I just, I don't understand that when it's a righty pitcher and they're two very good righty pitchers is that you roll out our Pujols in the two slot when historically he's always, of course, middle of the lineup. And also this year, he only played against lefty pitchers. And then of course, it's just, it's the whole, the whole idea of it was just very interesting. And I just don't understand it. I know he right now has the, um, Pujols has all the momentum and the energy because what he's been able to do the last month has just been incredible. And he's actually been a above average MLB hitter this year. And at least in the second half, he's been amazing, but it's just, I don't know. I don't get the two slot and I don't get him being utilized so much against these really good righty pitchers. We all know playoffs is such a different monster than the regular season. So I think it would have been maybe wise to probably even bench him one of those starts uh, or one of those games, or if you want to bat him, bat him like in the in the five or even the six slot down more in the lineup because it just seemed like you you I, I don't know who, who's oh I think it was Newt Bar who was leading off for them and of yeah. course he's a good lefty contact uh, got some power as well and some speed but then you have Albert batting next and then you have Goldschmidt then you have Arenado you have all these righties and they're not necessarily fast baseball uh players they, they they really don't run the bases very well so it's just funny how you have three guys in a row that are just not going to be speed demons or at least very good base runners uh if they were to get on so uh it, again i, I interesting lineup that he kind of rolled out and uh, it was just a disappointment from their main core guys to not get the job done it was funny Juan Yepes, their bench hitter was the only one who scored or got them on the board the whole series the two-run homer I think it was in the sixth or the seventh inning of game one but it just your offense kind of just let you down in uh in, in a 24-hour in a span so yeah it, you know, I, that things happen I, I like exactly what you said you read my mind when you were talking about so not only is Pujols not the same guy this year against righties as he is lefties this season against lefties his ops is over a 1.1 1. 1. uh so yeah he's, he's at he's at actually a 1.146 against righties this year he is a 0.747 so it's it's really night and day the hitter he is against righties versus lefties starting him both games against righty starters who are Dominant really good starters yeah. yeah pretty much aces two aces in in on one rotation um not only starting him is kind of questionable, but if they started him and batted him like seven, I'd be like, okay, they just think that he's gonna be a he's good, got the hot hand. Yep. a good, yeah, he's a hot hitter. He's seen the ball well. Let's just roll with him. Uh, let's let him go out swinging, you know, kind of yep. thing. Yep. But um, like you said, him hitting him hitting second against a lefty, I have absolutely no problem with. Him hitting second against a righty, it just is so confusing to me because um, you have New Bar hitting leadoff lefty, which is cool. Then you go three straight righties, and I really don't understand. Like, you realize that every time you get to that part of the order, they're going to put in a righty reliever, like, later in the game. Yeah, yeah. I really think it would have made more sense to have, like, Newt Bar second and, like, a righty batting first. That way you just kind of make sure that, like, Newt Bar gets the right matchup or something like that, you know? Yeah. I just, I just, I like the idea of staggering the lineup a bit better than what they did. 
Um, or even having Edmund as a switch hitter, batting leadoff, and you kind of can. You, you're, yeah, you're, and you're not going to put a lefty in for Newt Bar because then you got to face Goldschmidt, Arenado, who just feast off lefties. So right, yeah, and then they 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 could have done some different things, you know, or maybe you put um, yeah. I like the idea of having Goldschmidt and Nato maybe like two, three instead of three, four. But I mean, it, that's all kind of nitpicking at that point. But I do think it's really notable to say I don't understand having the Pujols, Goldschmidt, Arenado, two, three, four, all righties, all guys who feast on lefties. It's like, let's get a left handed hitter somewhere in yeah. between there to split guys up. That way, it at least makes the manager have to think, the other team's manager have to think about how exactly. Am I going to uh, use my bullpen yeah. to attack these guys? Instead of you made it easy for him. He's going to put in a righty pitcher against those three guys. There we go. The first sneeze. It happened, folks. Um, but we're going to keep it rolling. <laughs> I think that, yeah, obviously you made this decision super easy for the Phillies bullpen. They could just put in a righty for those guys, which is exactly what they did. They went yeah. Sir Anthony Dominguez. What's his name? Is that his name? Sir Anthony? I, I believe so, yeah. Dominguez? Okay, yeah. I think I got that right. Yeah, and then Jose they, Alvarado is a lefty, yeah. So, yeah, they had Alvarado win. I think he went for attack Newpar. Then they go Sir Anthony yeah. Dominguez. David he, Robertson, he, yeah. Actually, I think Poole's got a single off him, but then he got out Goldschmidt and Arenado. Both guys got caught chasing, I believe. But um, it just kind of shows that uh, the decision was easy for the Phillies. Let's yep. put it that way. So, I think, yeah, I agree with you. I had some concerns about how the coaching was approached from the Cardinals' standpoint. Um, they're a talented team. I expect them to kind of still be around, but uh, I think that they definitely probably hopefully learn some lessons. I do wonder how they kind of view their coaching situation this off season. Um, maybe maybe they'll target a veteran name, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested. You know, there's a lot of teams that will have a coaching decision this off season. The Angels just kind of shored their thing up. They are riding with Nevin for one more season, um, but you know, Larusa will have to be replaced. I do wonder. I think I assume that Phillies will keep their coach because he's been so good with them. Yep, but yep. Um, of course, Kansas City's going to need a new one too. Kansas City will need a new one. Uh, I I do wonder what uh, the the Blue Jays will do. Obviously, they've had an interim manager for the second half. Mm -hmm. um, guys like Girardi available. Guys like Madden available. I do wonder which teams want to target the veteran. Um, which guys want to find the, the the next the next young kind of um, you know brainiac or whoever it might be. So. Uh, I really wonder how the Cardinals kind of view Marmol going forwards. Yeah. Um, don't want to judge him too hard on, you know, one series, but definitely some costly decision-making that, you know, I guess we had some questions about. But, it's Travis, I will say this too. It's easier to make decisions when you're sitting on the couch instead of <laughs> in the dugout. But at the same time, yes. at the same time, I think most people would say Pools betting second doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. I, I, I like the idea of, like, platooning him with a, with a lefty. So that way, like... Late yeah, in, if they bring in a lefty pitcher, yeah. Yeah, late in the game, pinch hit Albert for like Newt Bar when they put in Alvarado or whatever it might be. You know, it's like just find a like you, if you are really smart with your lineup creation, you can force certain scenarios that will give you an advantage. Like no matter what, like mm -hmm. you really force their mm -hmm. team's hand. But um, they made it. Yeah, I'll just say they made it easy for the Phillies to manage their yeah, bullpen. And, and you know that once the reliever comes in, he has to face three batters. So you can almost exactly. like checkmate him in a situation where it's like, okay, cool. You brought in the lefty to face Newbar here, but you know, like I mentioned, if you had Newbar batting second, then oh, but you have to face Goldschmidt and Arenado with a lefty, and that's just you look at those OPS numbers. It is, it is not pretty for left-handed pitching for those guys. So, right. uh, I, I, you know, it, it's funny how you really can get. Um, 
creative in, in creating your lineup that way so that you can always have someone waiting. I always thought they'd have pools on the bench for the playoffs. I mean, I think even we, we talked about it. And I mean, all season, I think we said, you know, he's having a special year, but it just seems like their starting nine is going to be set this way. And then, of course, Pujols is a guy that would be great off the bench to pinch hit late in that game and to have a, a really nice heroic, you know, uh, moment in a postseason game. Another guy, too, that was just, I mean, another retiree that's going to be having, uh, you know, going to be not playing baseball anymore, but that's Yadier Molina. And it just seemed like he was, I mean, his bat has just been non-existent all year, and it was non-existent in the playoffs. Another bat that I think is sad to go, of course, sad player to see go, but I think it's a good move moving forward for the Cardinals because now you possibly can get a catcher that uh, I think it's Kisner is one of their other catchers. And it's like, at least we can get someone who possibly, I, I shouldn't say possibly, most likely will have a better bat next season and is someone that they can build off of and actually maybe produce uh, in a big way. Because we've seen catchers produce in big situations this postseason already. And that kind of transitions my uh, us to the, the last series that we're going to cover. And that's Padres, Mets, Aust- is it? it's Austin Nola, yeah. Aaron Nola's brother, yeah. Austin Nola. Home run today in game three. Had a good sacrifice bunt. I think it was also today as well. But it's just funny how, you know, catchers coming up big. They're usually the guys that no one really pays attention to, but they can always have a big at bat in the game. But moving on to this series, Alex, the only series that went three games, I think was the you just probably the, the definitely was going to get the most viewership out of all the series that were presented to us this weekend. Mets, Padres, two teams with just tremendous amounts of superstar talent the Mets of course 101 wins did not win the division had to play in wild card weekend at home in New York against of course the San Diego Padres who we know the record is I think in their mind be a disappointment because they think that they can definitely be a 95 plus win team almost 100 win team but they're still a very good team with a great roster a great starting rotation um it was a dogfight. I mean, game one, of course, easily going to the Padres. The offense was there. The pitching from Darvish was there. Uh, a good, complete win for the Padres. And then, of course, we saw game two, just a great outing from Jacob deGrom and a great outing from the Mets uh, from the Mets offense. It's almost like game one and two were very equal in the sense that the Padres won in a very good fashion. Game two, the Mets won in a very good fashion. Game three, of course, uh, that's the last game of the series. Uh, kind of leave it all out there. Who do you got? Uh, Mets seem to have, of course, stayed at home for this ser- for this last game. Well, the Padres really showed up winning 6 nothing. Uh, just a great performance. What do you make of this series, Alex? Yeah, I have a few notes I want to kind of go over, things that kind of stood out to me. Uh, first of all, Max Scherzer, game one, did not have the outing he was hoping for, I'm sure. And... I'm almost noticing a trend a bit, Travis. I really feel like um, he's someone who you kind of view as a really clutch guy or something like that. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of his competitive, you know, mentality and all. You see all the kind of crazy stuff. There's tons of videos of him, you know, staring at the ump or staring at the batter and getting psyched out and, you know, being a, you know, a true, you know, bulldog out there. But I, I think that. Um, I think that the amount of moments where he kind of allows big home runs and big games where he's starting, I think it's really kind of adding up. You know, 2019, I'll always remember that wild card. The Nationals ended up winning it anyways, but he did he allowed like two home runs despite being like a top three Cy Young guy at that point in his career. And he really did not look like it in the wild card game. Uh, a lot of home run to Grandal, I think, and then someone else. But And then Strasburg had to come bail him out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, in the same game. And then... Um, 
of course, against the Padres here, allowed, was it three home runs or four? I think it was a record for home runs allowed by a Met or something like that in a start, um, something like that. But uh, yeah, I, I think that that's one of the underlying story lines for me is the Scherzer, uh, not, I wouldn't say meltdown, but um, definitely, definitely not the... $40 million man yes. that they were hoping to mm-hmm. get. And, you know, that is not really fair to anyone to call him the $40 million man because, uh, you know, first of all, he's worth every penny kind of thing. He was a big reason they had the record they had. Um, he was great for the season. But I think that, um, you know, there were very high expectations because of that contract, because of the offseason they had, and because we know it's a really short three-game series and every game mattered so much, he definitely didn't deliver the way he wanted to, I'm sure. Um, some other notes that kind of come to mind, Travis, the deadline for the Mets, it could have been better, right? I think that everyone had them kind of targeting uh, another catcher. People had them kind of targeting maybe a Wilson Contreras type, maybe another pitcher, um, as well, I don't think that they got the most out of it. They also traded JD Davis plus prospects for Darren Ruff. JD Davis, since the trade, was had like a 900 OPS with the Giants, and Darren Ruff has been the Mets' least favorite player. <laughs> um, the Mets fans' least favorite player, I should say, for the second half. Um, he's just an. It's funny. I think he's like 35 years old, and he played in like the one of the Asian leagues. I think, yeah, I think Japanese league for okay. like for like a couple seasons, and the Giants just got him and turned him into like, oh, this guy actually mashes against lefties. Like yeah. he's got a role in the MLB. Yeah, and, and he had a big home run over last year, Game Five against Urias in yes. the uh, National League Division Series, and that's kind of like I feel like his moment. Like he does not play great outfield defense, and the Giants used him a lot in the outfield. And it was always interesting because I think he always made some. Um, concerning effort i think plays where you could have had a guy out there that plays a little bit better defense and maybe would have had a little bit of a better bat but it's just funny that darren ruff in the in the discussions of a trade goes to the mets and then you know you almost are looking like is is he going to be somewhat of anything useful but i I don't really know what to make of him too much (laughs) right and and you know i think he has a role in the mlb like i said i think he does really well against lefties uh in the last couple seasons but Definitely not the guy he was with the Giants when he came over to the Mets. And J.D. Davis had some of the best, like, exit velocity numbers. And, like, he really hit the ball, hard hit rate, super hard. He just swung and missed so much that when he was striking out, when he was not able to kind of square up on the ball or or make good contact, had a really hard time um, getting a, a decent batting average, really had a hard time staying in the lineup, essentially. But there were some numbers kind of saying, when this guy hits it, he hits it really hard. So if he can make a tweak to make more contact, you're going to see tons of extra bases. That's exactly what happened when he goes to the Giants. Not sure if they made a tweak or if he just got hot at the right time, but almost reminds me of like a Solaire kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I think the Mets kind of traded, you know, the Braves last year, they won the World Series thanks to trading for guys that got hot after the deadline. I think the Mets tr- had a Solaire in their hands in J.D. Davis and traded him away, which mm-hmm. is definitely really brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, getting a guy like Darren Ruff, who unfortunately for the Mets, has not had a great second half of the season. Only played in Game 2, which they actually won, funny enough, but um, just didn't see much of the field and was not really a worthwhile trade. Uh, <laughs> ignoring the fact that you also lost prospects in the deal, so... That was a storyline for me. I think if they had one more bat like a Wilson Contreras, could have helped out a bit. Uh, didn't get much production from the catcher spot uh, throughout the whole season for the Mets. But the Mets pitching, you know, DeGrom, 
Scherzer. It is what it is. They weren't on the absolute peak of their game, but DeGrom was really solid enough. Um, even though Grisham got a hold of one, and then uh, Scherzer not quite his best. But, you know, I think that uh, I would have picked uh, Musgrove over Bassett any day in that Game 3 matchup. I mm-hmm. felt really good about the Padres' chances. Um, I love the underlying you know numbers for Musgrove. I've been high on him for a while. Obviously, he's been great since his entire stint with the Padres. His first year there was already really good. But um, I'll say this. The fact that they went Musgrove game three, I think, is really funny because I think there's a really solid chance he's their best pitcher. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying that because we just saw him absolutely deal for, you know, seven innings, um, about 90 pitches, you know, one hit allowed, uh, looked lights out. He was so lights out that they had to check his ear for sticky stuff because the Mets were like, how is this guy doing this to us? And actually, it turns out that there was like an uptick in his spin rate. Uh, for his pitches so people are like he must be using you know sticky stuff blah 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 um turns out uh the Mets relievers also had an uptick that was really similar so people think that they might have just used, been using a ball with like uh thicker seams I and mean, it could be and you know most of the uh, analytics guys are oh, saying, a different ball would you be surprised <laughs> most of the analytics guys saying the difference in uh spin rate between this outing and his other outings not very significant at all so musgrove just was kind of amped up and he was absolutely dealing today um he showed a lot of emotion on the mound too he was kind of you know making gestures at the mets dugout he was yelling let's go and and he was getting pumped so uh that's someone who I think could be a real big difference maker if the Padres are able to get on a run here. If they can go deep into a series with the Dodgers, having a big Musgrove game, um, it could be huge for them. I think yep. it definitely he's a guy to look at going forwards. Um, hopefully he didn't burn all his juju in this one outing, but he definitely looks like someone who um, I'm high on. I just think that, you know, after you get through the first two guys, if you're left with Musgrove and Bassett, I like where the Padres were kind of sitting. And and, and they did took care of business today. The the bats were there and the pitching was was dominant. Hater looked like maybe not hater of old, but not the hater that we saw around yeah. like August, September. So not too bad from him either. But And it's good to actually see the last couple runs were allowed off Diaz and it was the big hit from Soto. So it's nice to see Soto kind of heating up in the big moment what's funny is that he's so young but he's already been here alex here he's yes. been in this moment before so he is probably cool and comfortable uh i think he was interviewed before the game by buster only and he was just it, it seemed like before his first at bat he was calmer than most fans i mean he, he's gonna go out there and play the game but he just seemed like he was loose did not face him that he was in new york playing a big elimination game but the big question of course after this series is you know of course the Mets what are they going to do with a lot of these names Bassett will be off the books uh DeGrom will most likely opt out uh Nima will of course be off the books and uh you know be a free agent so there's going to be a lot of question marks going for the Mets this offseason where do they want to go who do they want to add we know one thing their owner is down to spend so uh, I would definitely be looking for another big splash this offseason from the New York Mets, but a I, frustrating end, of course, to their season. Right, and I wanted to play a little game with uh, with you right now. You kind of transitioned into it right now, um, but let's just kind of, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and we're going to kind of see where it takes us. Mm-hmm. Um, you segued it well, so I'll have to just jump into it now. <laughs> this game is called, did they just play their last game with their team? <laughs> Did DeGrom just play his last game as a Met, do you think? I'm going to say yes. But I will um, not tell you where he's going. 
You're gonna save that for later. I'll save that. For you the, know, I'll save that for November. But you yeah, you know, but you're gonna save it for later. I, I will say that he will. He, he just played his last game as a Met. I I would understand that mindset just because they paid so much to Scherzer. If mm-hmm. you were paying two pitchers like a combined like over thirty, over thirty three years old. Yeah, two. You know? Yeah, right. Two older pitchers, mid thirties, late thirties. Both of them getting, they would probably be combining for like 90 AAV if you kept a Grom. It's like, mm-hmm. is that really the formula for winning? And we've um, seen them get injured a whole lot the last couple both of, of them. seasons. So. And it might continue with yes. considering their age. So I think it will. Yeah, I know. Um, it, it, what's funny is they, they signed Scherzer on such a high AAV because I think they knew we get to the playoffs and we have him. I mean, that's, that's where the money's being spent. But game one, he just totally folded in. You right. Know, we, we, we've seen that so it's it's interesting and i wonder how cohen feels right now that he you know of course got to the playoffs not where he wanted to be in a you know in the way that it ended in the last week but he used his big money guys to go out there and get two wins only could get one win uh which of course is really frustrating next one do you think edwin diaz just played his last game with the mets i'd say no i think he'll be a met i think that they He's kind of developed that uh, culture there with the trumpets and all that stuff. I think that he's got the hype from the fans. So I think that Cohen will overpay uh, a closer to, to keep him on, on, on the roster. So I think that he's a guy that will be he, – he's kind of – to me, he, he, looks, he looks good in the Mets uniform. I think he fits the culture well. So I, I think he definitely stays. Okay. I like that. I, I could see it either way. The, the one thing I do know for sure is he's going to get paid big. I do wonder – um, too, who, too big yeah. who comes yeah. out on that bidding war right yeah. no, no closer is truly worth what he's going to get yeah. paid it's definitely going to be like a Rizel Iglesias Liam Hendricks do you expect him to get paid more than Rizel and uh, Hendricks do you think, I, he'll, do you think I, he'll be the highest paid closer I, ever I, I think he'll be yeah I think he'll get he'll get more than Iglesias so I, I don't yeah, I think I'm guessing if he gets more than Iglesias and Hendricks he has to be the highest paid closer ever correct right okay so yeah I mean I think that that's that's pretty good on the table right now all right next one this one is kind of uh, you know smaller, but Bassett. <laughs> Bassett, do you think he's done with the Mets? I because he's someone who a lot of teams would target a guy like Bassett. There might yeah. be a bidding war for him. Teams that just need a two or three guy um, to add to their rotation, like yeah. an, even like an Angels, like they might. We got Otani. We need a little bit more depth up top. Yeah, I think Bassett could be targeted by many teams across uh, MLB. I, I think you're 100 percent on that. I think that the Mets still could make a very good offer because if they want to go ahead, if they lose to ground, let's just say they, of course, would want that insurance to have Scherzer, Bassett, and then of course they'd have Carrasco and um, Taiwan Walker, who Taiwan, like, yeah, wasn't even on the roster for the yeah, team this year. Yeah. yeah, so I, I, I think, I think Bassett. Um, that's kind of that's a really big toss up. I I'll just lean and say he, I I'll say he he won't be on the Mets next year. Okay. Yeah. And then last one for the Mets. We already mentioned his name, Nimmo. Do you think he is gone? You think he stays? I mean, you look at their outfield right now, and they have you have Canna, you have Marte. Yeah. They have Canna, Marte, Marte. Of course, can play center field, and then yeah. you know, Nimmo is. I, I don't I really don't under, I don't I would have to look back and see but I just don't know what, exactly what the money is going to be for Nimmo I mean right. he's a great defender he's played in New York his whole entire career does not hit a ton of home runs um, he's just a great on base guy yeah I think he's a good four tool guy um, might not have the crazy pop but uh, I think he would get lots of offers from teams yeah I mean I know our our our, our really you know our, one of our famous guys, Frank Fleming, says he'll be a Rocky. So uh, that's true. But so we'll be going to Colorado uh, for Nimmo. You know what? I 
I'll say yes. I think he will be a Met. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, switching teams now. This is kind of a curveball one. Do you think Albert Pujols has just played his last game with the Cardinals? I'm pretty much asking you, what are the yeah. odds? What are the odds he pulls a Tom Brady? Right. I, what I are think, the odds he he backs out of retirement? Yeah, I, I think he played his last game. Um, I I think he has had to because I I mean what he's done is so special in the second half, but. If you wanted to come back again, it's. I feel like it'd be like, okay, we were here for the 700 milestone. I guess. I guess you want to get. You want to chase down. Babe he wants Ruth. Babe. Yeah, you want Babe, and it's like, okay, congrats, you got third all time. But at the same time, it's like, well, I mean, I know there's still from, from what he did against lefties. There's probably definitely still some stuff left in the tank. But I think that uh, it, there's a good shot that he is. He's he's done now. I mean, I think he he got everything he wanted. He got a division title. He got 700 home runs. He got his milestones, all that stuff. Yeah, World Series would have been extra, but you can't say, I'm going to come back next year. We're going to win the World Series because that's just such a long shot as well. So I think he played his last game uh, as a Cardinal and last game as a Major League Baseball player. So I'll say he will be finished. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think he's finished as well um, for the reasons you mentioned. This last one I'll say is another kind of curveball it's going to be a name that you're going to be mm-hmm. surprised to hear i think <laughs> um do you th- hmm. i i think i know do, what you, i we think can do this every week because huh? i mean every every series that ends there's going to be some someone that's going to so, be a big so, free agent so. right right pretty fun game huh yeah <laughs> last one for, for this time because i'm skipping the toronto blue jays because okay. i think that they don't have that many guys who are going to expire kind of right now and if they if they do then you know i think they might keep them but Here's a, a a Tampa Bay Ray. Mm-hmm. Do you think Tyler Glass now has played his last game with the Rays? And that might seem like a curveball because he is still young yeah. and he's still done so much. But he has had some injury history now. Yep. He is supposed to be a free agent after the 2024 season. So if they trade him now, the team that receives him would have him for two years. It would be Ooh. a lot like a Blake Snell situation. That'd be nice, yeah. And I, and they I would, could get a lot in oh, return yeah. for a Glass now, and they are all about flipping guys when they're high. And if Glass now comes out next year and still shows some lingering injury stuff, they're not going to be able to flip him at that point, you know, or the value will go down. And then I don't think they want to extend him that long because that's just not the way they ever operate, no. right? They never they extend their type. I think they offered him like like a like a one plus one deal or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. And I will say when Glasnow is on his game, he is one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball, hands down. So um, right. uh, you, you're definitely telling a team, we'll give you this guy. And if you know if he's hot and ready to go, you're getting a frontline ace, someone who could start an all-star game for that league. Um, and he, and, I'll say right now, he is 29, which might mm. be a tad older than I might have thought. And, you know, the rotation right now is is full of young guys. You know, you hope that one day Patino will be in it. Yeah. But you pretty much have McClanahan locked in right now. Baz is the next guy up, uh, you know. So I think that there are, they're just all about getting younger. They're all about flipping guys for, you know, filling the void. Um, I mean, the Archer deal is like the classic, like we gave up an all-star pitcher, where when we traded him away, he got too old, fell yeah. off, and we got yeah. we got Meadows in return, who turned into like a guy like Isaac Paredes. Yeah, they uh, got Glass now in return. Yep. Um, it was just a super, and they poor, got Baz. Poor Pittsburgh, and they got Baz in return too. Yeah, yeah. it's like what a crazy yeah. like beneficial. And I think Glass now, you know, there's a chance they trade him to another team. Maybe the hundred mile an hour fastball and the crazy curveball. Maybe it's not sustainable for a guy who who's about to enter his thirties. You know, mm-hmm. I think that uh, there's a chance they trade him, but. Just give me your thought one way or another. Do you think he's done with the blue with the with the Tampa Bay Rays? Do you think they trade him or no? 
I will say next April he will be pitching for the Tampa Bay Rays. Okay. So I will I will say that I, and, but I when you said when you asked that question, Alex, I thought he was going to be a free agent. And I would have told you 100 percent he's gone. He can't. Oh, right. The Rays can't offer him that kind no. of money. But um, it would be from a trade. Right? It, it would definitely be from a trade. And uh, it, it, it'd be you know it's interesting because you you had the Rays who went from 2020 World Series Game Six. You know, of course, falling just short in that series to last season, 100 wins. I think they were the number one seed, of course, in the American League to now this season, the sixth seed, barely getting into the playoffs as the last seed. Um, and they fall short in that series. Uh, two back-to-back years, I think, of disappointing series losses. Last year to the Red Sox, this year to the Guardians. So it's kind of funny. Do the Rays kind of look at this now as, okay, we're definitely trending downwards should we start looking at trades? Should we start looking at getting younger? Start preparing for Wander Franco. Start preparing for a lot of these guys. Baz. Um, start preparing for Patino. These kind of guys for the next couple of years. It's interesting to look at that and see what the Rays want to do. It's funny that they have all the assets to do so. Um, and I think that that you know Kevin Kiermaier is one guy that won't even be on the team next year. I think his contract might be over. I think he got hurt this year, but I yeah. think he's a guy that will probably not be playing center field for them. Um, anytime soon. I think Jose Siri has that role. So again, do, do the Rays think that they can definitely keep being consistently competitive in the AL East? It's going to be a big question. But I think for for right now, I will say um, Glass now, I think he'll be pitching in April for the Rays next season. Could be a really interesting uh, you know, trade during the season though, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I like the take. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say No. <laughs> they probably don't trade him. Yeah. But I think the percentage they trade him is higher than most people would ever have guessed. Um, it would be a lot like a Snell trade. They could get even more in return. Like, I just wonder, a team that knows they can compete now but might need a, a top-line starter, like a Cardinals, mm-hmm. would the Cardinals, Cardinals give you, like, a Jordan Walker? I don't think they'd give you their number one guy in their system, but maybe at least, like— um, Oh, for a guy named Glass now? Right. I— I think they would. You think they would? I, think, so, I mean, so, I, I think they really would. Yeah. So with that in mind, you know, it's like the return could be so major. You yeah. know, um, Jordan Walker, uh, Wander Franco, left side. I mean, sign me up. The, you got the talent right there. But Rays you, fans would say, sign I mean, me up. I mean, you're literally looking at you telling Cardinal fans and telling the Cardinals you have two years of a dominant pitcher to go with some of the your other guys. And, and right now, I mean, looking at the starting rotation for the Cardinals and it, especially in this series, they pitched well this series, but we definitely know. The starting rotation needs a lot of work because the offense is very good. The defense is amazing. If you had some very good lockdown starting pitchers, you probably could have a really possibly an even better team than you did this year if you had just those bigger names on the starting rotation side. Yeah, so and, and a team like the Cardinals, I thought of them because they have a win now window, right? Yes, it's yeah. it's you know, Arenado and Goldschmidt are much better now than they will be in five years yes um you want to win now of course you don't want to sacrifice the future by giving up all your prospects just to try to win the next two years because that 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 could come back to really hurt you but um if there's a deal to be made there it would make a lot of sense in my mind at least and Um, especially when you have chicago pittsburgh cincinnati not looking to win the next three to five years brewers are the only team that's really your main competition and we've just seen them kind of look um they, they've they've had struggles you know over the past couple seasons getting that offense together so if they're not going to go out there and sign anybody it almost just feels like it's a cardinals division every single year if they can just lock down some good starting pitching so maybe it is saying to your team and your organization let's give away some of our younger talent we want to secure the next you know three seasons of division titles and you know 
really good hopes of bringing home another championship to St. Louis. So, you know, you're, you, I think you're in a really good spot if you are St. Louis though, right now, still. Sure. Sure. I agree. And that's a good possibility for a trade. I mean, glass now in, in, in the Cardinal system, that'd be pretty nice deal, huh? That'd be, be pretty nice. Cause he'd do, he'd be a pretty good comparison to, uh, to, you know, Burns and all those guys on the, on the Brewers rotation. Right. So you could stack up with almost anybody. Yeah. I, I agree. So, yeah. um, a lot of teams would probably, you know, if, if, if the race floated it out there, glass now's on the market, I think so many teams would be chopping at the bits offering top prospects. You know, I wonder what the Yankees might do for a guy like him. Um, if they want to try to copy the Mets and have like a two ace kind of rotation, mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. but, uh, I digress. Let's keep it rolling. Travis, one more thing before we preview the next rounds, I want to ask you this wild card, three game series, mm -hmm. thumbs up, thumbs down. What were your thoughts compared, compared to the one game wild card format we've had our whole lives. Did you like the new three game series wild card weekend thumbs up thumbs down Give me oh I, I definitely think thumbs up um cool I, I think that the one game is a little unfair at times because some teams are built on multiple guys in a rotation whereas um you know this wild card weekend we get to see that uh you know you we get, we get to see your team's uh, three best starters or for the phillies you know take two best starters to get the two wins where if we just saw one game uh phillies would have to decide do we want to go nola or wheeler Whoever doesn't pitch kind of gets screwed. If you lose, you're basically looking at, you know, shoot, we didn't get to use that guy at all in the playoffs. So um, I like that it kind of brings that excitement. I don't like it when we're, we're watching 15 innings of 0-0 baseball. So that's one part of it that I was just a little bit annoyed. But um, that's what happens. But I mean, again, the excitement levels was so cool. It was, it was awesome to see Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, I, I haven't dedicated weekend a weekend of baseball since August, July, Alex. And it's fun to kind of get that back to that because football has been on my mind for the last six weeks. But uh, life, of, life of an Angels fan. But <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Big thumbs up for me as well. I think that um, everything that, like you said, it's kind of game after game yes. for three straight days. It feels like March Madness. I mean, it feels like you're starting at 9 a.m. and you're going till 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. And it's just like, this it's is like, awesome. There's always something exciting to watch. And at the same time, uh, some really fun series that I think we all enjoyed. You know, a team like the the teams that kind of squeaked into the to the playoffs still had something to contribute, you know. Um, like, you know, I, I just think that it was a great addition like you know the, the Phillies were the sixth seed right in the uh sixth seed so yeah I mean imagine if they didn't if the old rules were still it they are not only missing the They're playoffs home, yep. but the Cardinals get a skate by I think you know of, of course Cardinal fans will disagree but I think having that series giving that kind of scrappy Phillies team with some exciting players mm -hmm. giving that team a chance I think it's a win for the expanded playoffs and it's a win for the wild card weekend kind of three game format to kind of say you know um, we'll give a few more teams a little bit more of a chance. And I think the postseason benefited from it. I was, it was a really exciting weekend, exciting players, a lot of big moments. So, And, and it's funny, besides the Cleveland-Tampa Bay series, every underdog won. Seattle won, Padres won, Phillies won. So, I mean, it's just funny how in baseball, it, it doesn't matter, um, you know, underdog or whatever. Everybody's kind of on equal playing grounds. Home field or not, everyone really has a really good shot to uh, – to, to claim the victory in this series. And we saw that with a bunch of teams this year. And I will say kudos to us, Alex, three for four on our picks. We got guardians. We had Mariners. We had Phillies and 
Well, we had Mets. They did not, of course, come up with that one. But they went to game three. So I consider I, that kind of a half a win. You know, they, uh, they really made a good effort. So I'll say, Travis, I think I did have Blue Jays. So I think that you are at a nice three for four. And then you left me in the dust. I think I'm at a two for four. So good correction. Uh, Travis Travis wins round. <laughs> Travis wins wild card round. Um, even though I will say, um, you know, I, last last point in the matter. Every series was fun, even the ones where I picked the the result wrong, like the Mariners Blue Jays. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm sitting there rooting for the Blue Jays because I want to be right. You know, because I picked the Blue mm-hmm. Jays, and and also um, it's it's Seattle. Come on, I mean, of course, as yeah. an Angel fan, you have to bag on the division <laughs> rival. But um, you know, it's it's kind of funny going through that motion, and then you know you're invested in these games that um, you know they wouldn't have existed if we were in the old wild card yeah. format. But uh, let's keep it rolling, Travis. The next step of the playoffs is now here. I believe tomorrow, Monday, which is the day this probably will get posted, um, is a day off for all teams. Day off, day travel day, you know. Yeah. Tuesday is where things really kick off. The ALDS and NLDS will begin. Uh, Travis, let's go series by series and kind of give a brief preview. Don't need mm-hmm. to get too in-depth, but we'll give a kind of a brief prediction of how we think uh, the series will shape up, and then we'll break it down from there. Where mm-hmm. do you want to start? We can start at the NL. Let's start with uh, the teams that are going to be closest to us. How about that? Dodgers. Ge- geographically? Padres. Okay. Geographically. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exa- I should say geographically, yeah. not, not who they're in their heart. But right. um, Padres at Dodgers Tuesday night. Um, I'm excited for this one, Alex, because, you know, it seems like this has just been the growing rivalry yes. of Major League Baseball. I think the Giants and the Dodgers rivalry still strong, but a little bit faded away. The new NL West rivalry is Padres Dodgers. You basically have Big Brother against Little Brother. That's how it's been. Last showed up in the playoffs in the division series of um, of the 2020 playoffs, but of course that game was played at Texas. We did not get to see the fans in the stands. We did not see to get to see LA and San Diego's environment. Um, Alex, I mean, I, I can't, I can't even, I can't, I'm, I'm not even a fan of these teams, but I cannot wait to see this environment on Tuesday. And also I cannot wait to see the environment on Friday night, game three at Petco park. Um, I, I mean, wow. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be nuts. There's going to be, I, I wonder what the over under is for, for stadium fights going on those oh, nights. Uh, security will be ramped up, but it, it's going to be a good series because right now the Potters are going in as a team that I think, honestly, you might think they might have some pressure just because they're facing, you know, people would say big brother, but I feel like they're going in as this huge underdog to this, what, 111, 112 win Dodger team. And they just won a series against one of the best teams in baseball in the Mets. And they're going in, I think, feeling really good. And they have a great rotation. They have a great roster to, um, I think, shock the world. And I think they have a, a lineup that could be built around getting past this Dodgers uh, rotation with just a strong presence of lefty pitchers. So um, it's going to be interesting, Alex. Um, do you want to want me to say who I think it's going to go to? Or, yeah. Or, okay. Okay. So, um, of course, I picked Dodgers to win it all. I think Dodgers will win this series, Alex. I think this series actually could potentially go five. So I think it could be a very evenly matched series. Um, I think they announced it should be clevenger on the mound for game one right. so um not I, I will say he's a good pitcher but i think dodgers could find a way with him it's he's no 
Darvish, he's no Musgrove, and it's, it sucks. I think that, honestly, Darvish and Musgrove, well, depending on who pitches game two, uh, we could potentially only see Musgrove, you know, one time this series, which kind of sucks. You know, you got you to almost think about that. Yes. Um, that you, you have the potential for sometimes to see guys two times around in a five-game series. So um, I'm, I'm assuming Urias is going to go for the Dodgers in game one as well. Um, so it should be maybe Urias and Clevenger in this series. But I think Dodgers will win. I think it won't be easy. But um, but yeah, I think that's how it goes this series. I think it's just going to be so much excitement in this in 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 the in the series for for both teams. And first time San Diego will see playoff baseball since 2006. So it's been a long drought for playoff uh, baseball in San Diego. So exciting times for them. Interested to see if Petco Park is a good percentage of blue. I, I think the fans will oh, travel from L.A. It'll be 50 percent at least. It's gonna it's gonna be madness. Um, Alex, we've seen we've seen games in April where it's just crazy. The fans are just going nuts. And this is now postseason baseball. I think that we've been wanting this series for so long. It's finally here. Um, give me your take on the preview. Yeah, I I like the Dodgers pick. Uh, I'm still thinking about who I like in the series. <laughs> uh, I'll have to decide in the next couple of minutes here as I talk about it. But um, yeah, I think that the Padres are definitely at a disadvantage, starting with Clevenger. Uh, the Dodgers have hit Clevenger very, very well this season. I believe his ERA was north of nine in the two starts he has against wow. them. So that's not a great start. And in my mind, that's almost the biggest advantage of the buy. Like, yes, you just skipped around, which is huge, but you're also playing you're playing a hot wild card team, but the hot wild card team just used two or three in the Padres case, just used their three best pitchers in three straight days. Mm -hmm. And now they're going to have to start like, well, when do you think Darvish goes like at the earliest game two, but it could be game three. Yeah. You may see Darvish Snell and then uh Musgrove again, three, four games, three, four, five, if they even get that far. So um, if it gets that far, it'd be so much fun to see how that mm -hmm. shapes up. But mm -hmm. I, I just, I just will say that, um, the uh, disadvantage the Padres have because they were the wildcard team and had to use their three best arms the, over the weekend definitely has a big impact on the series, obviously. So Clevenger game one, I think uh, the Dodgers will be able to handle him well. I think the Dodgers will do well in their two games in LA. If Padres can steal one, it obviously would be so huge. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think the Dodgers should be heavily favored They've really owned them all season. I think the Padres had four wins all season, something mm -hmm. like that. I saw a graphic on on the broadcast today, um, but it's been a dominant one-sided fight all season. Uh, Dodgers being the heavy, you know, victor. But uh, I would not count the Padres out. Of course, something that is, I think, a positive sign for them. It's not all been on the backs of Machado and Soto. Uh, at some point in the middle of today's game three. They showed a graphic on the broadcast where Machado and Soto had a worse average and fewer home runs combined than the like six through nine hitters on the Padres team. So getting production from the bottom part of the order, I think, is super big and getting momentum. You know, the whole team is is doing well clicking. It's not like, oh, Machado hit two home runs. That's why we won the series. And now if he doesn't do that, we, we're screwed. It's not like that. You know, Grisham is hot right now. Nola had some good at-bats today. Two hits and the sacrifice bunt, like you mentioned. Um, you know, Hasian Kim has gotten action. Mm -hmm. um, it's really kind of a lot of guys getting on base throughout the order is definitely huge for them. Um, and I think they have a, a lot of ways they can kind of build a, a lineup to, like you said, it's going to be 
a lot of lefty starting pitching. It's going to be Kershaw at some point. It's going to be Urias at some point. Tyler Anderson will surely start a game. And I still think we might see Heaney yeah. uh, start a game just because uh, Gonsolin and May are on these innings restrictions most likely. So mm-hmm. um, Could see a Heaney, you know, Gonsolin or a Heaney-May kind of combination where yes. we can get cr- creative and, you know, crafty in some of these ways. But yeah um i'm thinking i'm thinking there's a chance we see like four lefty starters for yeah. the four starters for dodgers so um that and, will be good news for machado you know and, and it'll be good for some say, of the ready bats i will say i think that that what'd you say the padres only have four wins this year against the dodgers it was something like that I, yeah and, and i think i look at that and i think that that honestly is strangely enough that's almost an advantage for the padres because you almost have i, I feel like you have dodgers and you have you know analyst media probably thinking this team has no shot they couldn't even do it in the regular season. And that just makes them even more comfortable playing them in this week. Um, and I think that sometimes when you, when you have these mismatches during the season, it can come out to really bite the team that has done so well. Um, sure. I, I feel like in my lifetime, I feel like I've seen so many times where a team has just been owned by another team. And then it just seems in the most important game, the team that has been owned has basically just come out and uh, was playing with just no pressure and was able to take the victory. So um, Some Red Sox Yankees vibes there, maybe? Yeah, a little bit of Red Sox Yankees vibes right there. But I, 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 for some reason, that's the only thing I see from this Padres team. They, I think, can be coming into this series playing very, just very loose, very easy. They already played three games, and their confidence levels um, should be at almost an all-time high right now after beating, you know, some of the best starting pitching in Major League Baseball. That's one thing I give them a kudos to, taking it to Scherzer. Um, still putting up runs against DeGrom and then of course facing Bassett and just absolutely taking him out as well. So, um, you know, it, it, Dodgers of course should come into this series. I think, I think the one big thing is Dodgers and Dodger fans, their biggest fear is losing to the Padres in a playoff series and they will never, um, they will never have to let that die. Of course there'll be Twitter battles and takes all day long. You know, they'll say, well, where's your rings at? You know, all that stuff. And they'll go back and forth. What about 2020 and all that stuff? But um the last if the last playoff series is Padres beating the Dodgers that would just be um I think Dodger fans that, that'd be that'd be a that'd be a bad taste in their mouth and they would definitely have that uh if they if they lose to one team and they do not want to lose to it'd be the San Diego Padres I, I just think that they are you can't lose a little brother you that, know? that's true I think every Dodger fan if they had to pick one team they don't want to lose to, it'd be the Padres. I think the Padres might be playing with some chip-on-their-shoulder energy, like you said. People might be counting them out, and that definitely could help. But at the same time, I, I just can't bet against the well-oiled machine the Dodgers yeah. have been. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get to 111 wins by accident, despite the injuries playing through it all. They've just been so good. Um, the team seems relatively healthy, despite a couple of starting pitchers. Um, being on restrictions, you know, it's it's it feels a little bit better than last season where Muncie was missing, uh, you know, Kershaw was missing completely from any of the playoffs. Uh, I, I think that they're in a pretty good spot, the mm-hmm. Dodgers. Um, and so because of that, I will go ahead and make my pick of Dodgers winning the series. But um, interesting side note too: the last two years of full 162 games, um, this team with the best overall seed in major league baseball has fallen in the division series so uh 2019 dodgers fell to the nationals and last year the giants fell to the dodgers now of course there would be a little asterisk bar saying the dodgers had 106 wins so right <laughs> it wasn't like this huge underdog team that came out of nowhere it was just it was a team that literally lost uh you know one more game than you did so 
it's it's funny though you look at the last two years the best teams in baseball somehow just have some trouble in the division series against the teams that have been basically playing uh playoff games before them so and then the last the last point i'll make is travis i going into every playoffs you know 2019 taught me a lesson as i picked against the nationals every every series Mm -hmm. right i was like oh they'll lose the wild card oh they'll lose against the dodgers oh they'll lose against the cardinals Oh, they'll lose against uh, Astros. Astros, yeah. and then they will just one, 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 one. So, uh, because of that, I and then also the Braves last year, I picked against them the whole way through as well, and they of course continued to surprise. So, which kind of sneaky team that's in the high eighties, low nineties of wins is going to take off some juggernauts? Right, going to be able to beat yeah. some of the elite seeds of the of the playoff mm-hmm. bracket. Mm-hmm. You, the goal for me is who's that team going to be? Try to kind of identify, figure it out. Um, Who's it gonna be? Try to predict that. Yeah. And it feels like the two best, the two best candidates. Pardon me, is uh gonna be either the Phillies or the Padres, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. who feels like the best bet for it. Of course, the Mariners could easily be that team as well. Um, don't want to count out the Guardians as the one. I was team gonna that, say, Alex, as, I, I, as the I, one. The Guardians just they have a. I'm not they buying have a weird it. energy. I don't know. I, I'm not buying it, and maybe that's a good sign because I wasn't buying the Nationals, and I was not, <laughs> and I was not buying the 2021 Braves. But maybe, maybe the continued, uh, the continued trend is going to be whatever team I don't like going into the playoffs is going to win it all. But I'll just say this: I think the Padres and the Phillies and the NL both have this little energy about them, where you know there could be a bit of of the underdog juju yep. helping them through this series, especially, like I said, I love how the bats of the lower part of the order are hot, are hot for the Padres. A similar thing could possibly be said for the Phillies. Um, guys like Segura getting the big hit instead of, you know, it being having to be Harper or Real Muto. Um, you know, the bottom half of the order made that rally, actually. Brandon Marsh, a guy who's had a pretty rough year at the plate, uh, got the hit that got past... Uh, Arenado to put the lead at up to, to six runs for the mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. for the Phillies. So because of that, um, I like the teams that are kind of seeing momentum from all parts of the team as opposed to you know like a Guardians who it's literally just like J Ram and pitching, yeah. uh, which is kind of what we observed in that series. But um, I'm still going to stick with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I cannot I cannot in my I can't. <laughs> My brain would kill me if I yeah. uh, paid against them. So I know but what how is, good but, they are. But what does your heart say, Alex? It doesn't matter what my heart <laughs> says, Travis. It does I mean, in playoff baseball, yeah. Does it? It does, yeah. I mean, I don't think my heart matters. Maybe the hearts of the players. But I think <laughs> I think for my pick, um, I have to just based on who I think is the better team. And maybe, maybe if it was Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, first three games of the yeah. series, we could be talking about something. But I think starting out with Clevenger, I, mean, I don't want to count him off. Yeah. Maybe he deals on Tuesday. But I feel like the Dodgers are starting at 1-0 And almost. if he deals, that's very bad news for the Dodgers because you basically right. have your juggernaut waiting. And what's funny is that it's so crucial to make sure that you don't go to game three in the wild card series because imagine if they would have swept the Mets and then Musgrove's waiting for game one. You basically right. look at Musgrove against who Urias, and the, you say the Mets did the Dodgers a favor exactly. by making sure exactly. they had to burn all three of their top, you know, their top three pitchers. I will say I like what you said about the the Padres playing with house money at Dodger Stadium. They just went to a hundred win, hundred one win Mets team mm-hmm. in the Mets home field 
with Mets fans for three straight days. Very similar environment. Yeah. yeah and, and and not a lot of Padres fans there, obviously. They showed them on the camera every once in a while, but you know, that's a stadium that's gonna fill up with Mets fans. Miss Emma Stone, yeah. And, exactly. And, <laughs> and, and some some Padres fans will show out, but overall the Mets fans definitely dominant. You know, Nathan Fielder, of course, making uh, appearance in the cuts. But I think that that's almost experience, right? Yes. We just yep. felt the experience of going to another team's ballpark in a big city with a lot of fans, got the job done. Now got to go to the final boss, even though it's only the, the division series. Yep. Uh, Dodgers feel like they have final boss energy. But Charles, let's roll over to the other NL uh, series we have. Of course, Atlanta will be the home, uh, you know, the favorites against Philadelphia, the Phillies. How do you see that series shaping up? Um, the Phillies are just like the Padres have this momentum about them, Mm -hmm. but in the same way about the Dodgers, the Braves feel like this well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. How do you see that stacking up? I think, um, I mean, I I think the Braves will win this series. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't see it at all being like a sweep, but I think when you used your two best starting pitchers in the wild card, you probably won't get Wheeler back. I'm assuming they might not pitch Wheeler till game three, which will be a home game for Philadelphia. Again, another tidbit first playoff game in Philadelphia since 2011. So two uh, NL teams are going to be, of course, experiencing their their home playoff game drought ending. But uh, I, I really don't know. Of course, I, I wish I would see the matchups, who's going to be going in which games. But I'm assuming right. Ranger Suarez is going game one. And then I honestly, I don't even know who they would be going game two for the Phillies. I'm trying to think. The Eflin doesn't pitch in the starting rotation anymore. Right. He got moved um, to a closer role, which is just such a yeah. funny kind of twist. Um, and, and so I, I I think Ranger is, of course, a, a good pitcher. But I think the I think the Braves could easily um, put some damage on him early and take that first series, especially because I think they're going to go either uh, Max Fried or Spencer Strider. And then, of course, you're going to have, uh, you know, uh, Charlie Morton and you're going to have Ian Anderson as well to pitch later on. Um, I think the Braves just have too much of a good energy. I think their offense matches up very well, very nicely with the Phillies. I think the bullpen is what the Braves feed off of. Their bullpen has just been elite all season. Their bullpen has been elite for the past couple postseason appearances. Um, And then, of course, starting pitching is very good as well. Uh, I I just the only thing I think of is I think the Brave, the Phillies did a very nice job, of course, getting the first two wins and not having to use you know, Ranger in game three and then going to someone else. I don't know who it's going to be, uh, who who would have been their game one starter if um, the game one starter in the division series, if Ranger would have pitched today. But um, so it, I'm, I'm looking at their I'm looking at their starters to end like late September mm-hmm. and October. I think uh, Kyle Gibson is okay. a big possible choice. He does have a five ERA on the season. Okay. So it's not like someone you really want to be banking on. Yeah. But he could see an outing either that or he will come in and relief at some point, okay. perhaps. OK, something okay. like that. And then another guy they have is a guy named uh, Falter, who I actually know pretty much nothing about he mm-hmm. it's only the second season so okay. bailey falter but yeah you're right the options after suarez become a lot slimmer yeah and so I, my, my big question of course is if they're going to go ahead and say wheeler has to go game two and then they might do wheeler game two and let's just maybe depend and see how the series is if we're up to nothing if we take two in atlanta maybe we can go nola game you know we can possibly even move nola to game four maybe not have him game three if we're down oh two then we might have to go nola game three to get that win uh, because we are facing elimination. So it's just going to be interesting for the Phillies how they go about all that stuff. But I think with you know having Wheeler and Nola um, not likely pitching in game one or two, 
that definitely gives a very good favorite to the Braves to take those first two series. And then, of course, go to Philly, win one of those games. If they can't do that, then, of course, they'll come back to Atlanta for game five. But I think I give Braves the edge in this series to uh, to take it from the Phillies. I think the Phillies are a good team and they've had some very good magical moments, especially that ninth inning. Um, I, I think that, you know, a Braves bullpen wouldn't allow that to happen in the ninth inning. Um, I'm, I'm pretty confident in that because I think Iglesias has just been too shut down or if they want to use someone else. Um, and then, of course, game two, they won two nothing. I think a team like Atlanta could easily score two runs in a, in a nine inning game. So uh, I, I think the Braves will punch it to the Phillies this series. Alex, that's my take. What do you got for this series? Yeah, so pretty much every year I always just predict chalk which yep. I, don't, I don't know what that term comes from but it just means that like the favorites are going to win yes i'm just all about like oh but they're, they're the better team yeah. right that's always like my mo um so i just think that this year i can't predict chalk because <laughs> i do it every year and i'm never right so i'm not going to pick the braves okay i'm gonna pick the phillies yep. i picked the phillies to win the world series when we did our last episode it was just kind of a pick i wanted to be yeah I wanted to ball out, Travis. Yeah. I wanted to yeah. just kind of be flashy. But they really proved this weekend they have some good energy about them. Um, they're managed at least, uh, it seems at least so far they've been managed well in, in that first series. I like how they have Brandon Marsh kind of as a defensive sub. Um, I think he's so valuable out there in center field. He made a running catch I saw in one of the games. I forget which. But um, I think that the Phillies are just kind of in a good spot. I will add, or I will note, exactly what you said having suarez game one ranger suarez and then after that being kind of um not having a super trustworthy guy for game two um you know i really wonder if they're gonna jump the gun and just go back to nola wheeler quicker than than they maybe should just knowing that um and could that be about it you know a bad i'll, I'll say move. this yeah i'll say this travis Ever since Strasburg won World Series MVP, he has not been the same, right? Yeah. He was absolutely unreal that whole playoff run. Um, but I think it kind of cost him his arm to some extent, right? Mm -hmm. He definitely worked really hard in those, you know, wild card game all the way through the end of the World Series. But um, I think some teams are willing to push their their aces. They're willing to push their yeah. guys if they think it's going to make that big of a difference in a series, which obviously guys of Wheeler and Nola's caliber are difference makers, especially compared when you look at the names at the bottom of the Phillies uh, pitching rotation. So I would not be surprised to see them maybe, uh, you know, get the work in uh, earlier in the series than maybe the mm -hmm. Padres might be willing to. Um, also, I'll say this. The Phillies bullpen has been much better in the second half than the first still was uh had some questionable moments i'll say um at least just just some moments where i think like alvarado got into a little bit of trouble and had to get you know bailed out and stuff like that but i i'm just thinking about um how they might approach the series um so i'm gonna go ahead and say i'll, I'll take phillies okay um it's definitely i it's it's a classic pick where i know they won't be favored mm -hmm. i know that they won't um on paper are not better but I'm tired of picking, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the two best teams and it, and it never ends up that way. So I, I'm going to go ahead and say, um, Bryce Harper has some mm -hmm. big moments. Um, I'm excited. I mean, I wish there was a, a, a DS MVP. I, I don't know if I actually wish that, but I mean, I really wonder who's going to step up for the Phillies in this series. Um, I think the whole team can kind of contribute. I think they're kind of in a nice balanced state right now. Mm -hmm. If a guy like Schwarber can get hot at the right time or if Rio Muto really gets clicking, it's like those kind of guys can become superstars yeah. um, at the right time. So I'm not huge, huge on the Braves as always. 
Um, I'm always kind of down on them, but their second half was so special that mm-hmm. I don't want to act like I'm sleeping on them because uh, they are super deadly. Their rotation is really good. Their offense has been good. You know, they're getting so much out of their rookies. But, um, you know, sometimes these teams that are juggernauts uh, get cold at the worst possible time. So yep. we'll see how the series goes. I'm going to pick Phillies. I'm expecting to be wrong, but a Phillies, <laughs> a, a Phillies, don't do- be, you know, a no. Phillies Dodgers. Uh, Going back to the 2007, NL- 2008, uh, I'm sorry, 2008, 2009 uh, NLCSs that we saw back-to-back years that were so exciting with those mashers, right? Those Phillies I, hitters, right? I, I'm, I think that this Phillies team could have that kind of vibe. It's just the classic situation of this team had so much struggles making the playoffs uh, the last couple of seasons. Once they finally did, they broke through. Mm-hmm. So would be excited to see that. Um, so what, my, I mean, and that would be, I think that'd be one of the craziest turnarounds when you looked at this team in like mid-May late may is that you tell philly fans don't worry you'll be in the nlcs uh come down the year but um we will have to wait and see of course to see how that whole matchup things you know work out so um but like you mentioned i mean i guarantee there will be one upset from these four playoff series coming up alex right it it has to happen so and and i like the favorites in every series obviously because they're the favorites Mm -hmm. so i have to pick an upset so i'm gonna go phillies let's roll over to the al um travis we'll start with the west coast again like we just did yes mariners are going to be going to houston Mm -hmm. the astros i think um this is one of the most volatile series i really have so much uh respect for the astros (laughs) obviously cheating scandal but (laughs) i'm saying respect for how good they are yeah um respect what they proved in the 20 after 2017 or 2018 as well is that they're not a fluke because every single year they seem to always make a deep run to the playoffs and they seem to always get to the world series so it just proves that they are a great team obviously people ever since that report came out about the cheating stuff obviously ever since then they've there's people from the league and, and from other teams like checking and making sure that there's nothing shady going on and there's still 2020 made the game seven of the alcs 2021 made the world series game six now they are marching their way uh, trying to get that same goal trying to get another ring that um would hopefully just shut up the haters in their minds even though that probably will never happen the haters never die travis but um (laughs) i'm gonna go ahead and predict astros Mm -hmm. i think they're too well oiled of a machine much like the dodgers they simply come here every year they know exactly what they're doing um, their pitching seems really um, improved, I'll say. I feel like last year, um, especially with the Verlander injury, him being out that season, it felt weird that they were just they were just riding Framber and Luis Garcia so hard. And yeah. then McCullers got hurt too against Chicago, even though he was being great. It, just, it felt like they were so um, not beaten up, but they just like they were working these guys to the bone that weren't even like what I would consider dominant starters, you yep. know? And then Rikidi was getting valuable innings as well. And it's, I, I didn't, I didn't figure him being a valuable starting pitcher as well, but yeah. And then Christian, ha- Christian Javier had a high workload in, in, in those kind of series, Correct. but yeah, yep. it, it, it just was definitely, uh, I think the pitching side of things has improved this season. They also, uh, are using, I'm trying to pull up his name right now. I'm Oh, Hunter Brown. He was throwing some, some high velo stuff. Okay. He was, uh, people were comparing him to Verlander actually, because they, I don't know if he modeled his game after Verlander, but, um, definitely a young guy. I think he's a rookie. Yeah. Um, that, uh, has a, a 0.89 ERA, um in seven games two starts so um he's a guy honestly travis i could see him being like a, a game four kind of guy for them if they see that fit but you know i think a verlander framber 
Luis Garcia, and then maybe either this Hunter Brown or maybe you go Christian Javier. Um, could be a great front four for a playoff series. I think that's better than almost any other AL team I have to offer. And then also there's good pitching depth there too because after your front four, you still have guys like Urquidy. Um, you have guys like I mentioned, Hunter Brown. Um, the bullpen has tons of names. I wonder how McCullers Jr. ties into things. He's healthy right now, right? He is healthy, yeah. So he'll look like to be going game two. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine. Is there already a... Is there already a Right now, we guys just announced. have um, Verlander. Right now, the only guys that are uh, you know set to start are Verlander for the Astros, and then of course for the Yankee series, Cole. So those okay. are the only guys that are now That's... set to start for Game One. Okay, so I, I would think, yeah, like I think you're right. I think Verlander, McCullers, Framber, maybe Luis Garcia, or yeah. or Hunter Brown, or Chris and it's Javier, a, it's yeah. a really interesting playoff um, structure for the American League side, Alex, because they start on Tuesday, Game One. And then on Wednesday, it's only the NL. So AL gets a break. Mm -hmm. Then Thursday, it's just AL playing. And then Friday, it's just NL. And then game three for the AL side is Saturday. So it's kind of funny how you literally are going to get two in-between off days for the American League. This might really help out teams like the Mariners and the Guardians who used Bieber and Luis Castillo in game one. Now you can easily roll them into game two and have them throw. And then, of course, have your game two starters, uh, Robbie Ray and um, Tristan McKenzie, in possibly game three, which are going to be on Saturday. They'd be literally a week of rest. So it's it's funny how the American League gets a little bit more rest. It's uh, it's it's definitely an interesting way about it that they kind of went uh, they, they went they went through all that kind of stuff. That, but it's a great observation um, because, yeah, um, that's the exact kind of thing that has a high effect on the pitchers that you select to yep. use. And that really feels like it can really make or break a series when you see a pitcher go out there, get shelled early. Mm -hmm. It feels like the game's over already, yes. you know? So, yep. um, so I definitely think Luis Castillo is going to be going game two. But so that's Thursday, you said. That'd be that would be Thursday, game two. So yeah, um, Friday to Thursday should be definitely doable. Yeah, yeah. And so you're basically looking at one week off almost. And um, but then of course do you and I don't I don't buy too much into well, do you want to start your A starting pitcher for the first home game in Seattle Mariners? You know, you know, twenty plus year drought history to kind oh, of yeah, I don't care about create that. that that you know that big impact. No, I think you want to get the win in game two and have your best guy out there. So I think Luis Castillo goes game two. You'll probably have Robbie Ray go game three on Saturday night in in Seattle, which of course I mean I another environment that's going to be rocking so loud. Um, but I think they'll be rocking so loud. Probably it could be down o two. To the uh, to the Houston Astros, um, I think Houston Astros will take care of them this series. Um, I, I you know you're only you're going up against you know the Seattle Mariners are probably one of the hottest teams of the second half, but you're going up against one of the hottest postseason teams of the last decade or so in the Houston Astros. They just seem to they do not lose in the division series. They make it to the championship series. I think this could be the sixth or seventh straight season, Alex, of ALCS trip for the Houston Astros. So. Uh, another another great run by the Astros, and I, I think that they, they they've played the Mariners. They know their game very well. Um, it's funny that actually we're going to get three series this LDS round where it's all inner division play. You know, you look at the NL East with the one matchup in the NL, and then the NL West and the other, and this is the AL West matchup. So uh, I think both teams, of course, know them very well. I just think the Astros, of course, have all the options that are much much better the only uh, the only the only area i could see the mariners being very very good is if they use a game where it's luis castillo and andres munoz those are two guys i'm very very high on to deliver a very good game 
and that's the only game I think the Astros could be struggling. But tomorrow, I think on Tuesday, I think it's going to be Logan Gilbert most likely going for the Mariners. And then, like I said, would we see Luis Castillo? Would we see Brash? Would we see um, somebody else? I, I, I don't know. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I know right now, um, you know, I think the Astros and Verlander going game one should be a pretty good um, pretty good series for the Astros to take that one. But good time to move to the last series of the uh of the playoffs sure yeah i'll throw out one more thing actually in the astros super quick um verlander is someone who i don't really trust in the huge game yeah Uh, i could see the astros losing game one Mm -hmm. and i don't think that should like alarm everybody uh i can just see them i can see the mariners kind of getting to him um so i wouldn't be super surprised but i think that like a mccullers Framber, I think there's just better pitching depth there, so I can definitely see the uh, Astros kind of winning the war, but I can see them losing some battles in this series, mm-hmm. especially because you know the, the Mariners looked really good at hitting against Manoa, and even though they didn't really get to Gosman in a huge way, um, tons of earned runs went against uh, Gosman because of the inherited runners. So I can see something similar happening, I suppose, um, in this series, but. The Astros, in my mind, have been a tier of their own in the American League, so I have to pick them as well. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying that the Mariners uh, for certainly can be frisky. Yeah. Um, but we'll move to the last AL series here. Yankees, Guardians. Of course, Yankees will be the home team in the uh, first two games. This one, it feels like such different teams, right? It feels like Yankees are this you know, billion dollar, you know, multi-billion dollar, in my opinion, right. Multi-billion dollar organization, the fan base, you know, that has, I mean, there's probably more Yankee fans than there are guardians fans in every city, not named Cleveland, maybe even in Cleveland. I don't know, but, um, it's like you said, it is very Goliath, uh, esque for the Yankees. Not only do they have Garrett Cole starting game one, you have judge hitting as good as pretty much anyone has in our lifetimes that didn't take steroids you have um you know powerful bats throughout the order a proven rotation one thing we'll briefly mention is the whole chapman scandal you see that travis yes. Aroldis yep. chapman will not be on the division series squad i should have added that to the list travis has Aroldis chapman <laughs> played his last game in he 100 has played his last game in pinstripes um no, no chance he makes the championship series and, roster and, and you know there. So, someone was saying earlier a reporter was saying that he that this is a good sign that he probably won't that boone would probably not even consider him for the championship uh you know that that that, that series and so you know i'm not i, I would say there's i don't think it's 100 percent chance that he um misses out on that he, he could miss out on that series but it just seemed i, I think the the reason why is that he was in miami and he didn't attend a team mandatory workout which is kind of interesting when your team's in the playoffs you maybe should be full you know maybe you should be with them yeah, yeah maybe your full focus and thought should be with the team but if you're in miami doing you know god knows what it probably partying down there it's kind of like your your head your head's not in the right place we need um the guys that are going to want to contribute and make this team better for the playoffs so i think that just for a um a, a team um morale boost you know i think that he probably will not be wearing a pinstripe uniform ever again or at least uh next season so uh i, I think i think his time in, in new york has kind of ended and I'm, I'm pretty sure you know boone and brian cashman are thinking the same way that they don't want to mess around and plus with his numbers they have not been good alex and we know one thing chapman has had some very bad playoff moments so i think it's kind of a, a win for them to maybe 
get him off the playoff roster. I don't think he wants to face Altuve again in Game Six at uh, at Minute Maid. So I don't think uh, he does. No, <laughs> but it, that that is a very interesting story that came out. I haven't, you know, you don't really see that too much. Most times that when you're in the playoffs, most guys are focused, unless it's the bubble in the NBA, and you got to stay. <laughs> you got to stay in your in your room and you can't leave the property or something like that and you're in atlanta getting fried chicken wings or something like that that's right um but no it it's funny though but it's interesting but um i'm sorry where were you on that last series you 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 side note off to aroldis chapman but yeah i was just gonna say that i think the yankees um they are the goliath even though chapman won't be there yeah they have great bullpen arms they have great uh rotation pitchers um I just don't see the Guardians really getting to uh, the starters or yep. the relievers. I just think the bats are going to... I think the bats that we saw against the Rays will likely continue. Uh, part of that might just be that I'm low on the Guardians offense. Part of that, it could come back to burn me, you know? Yeah. I think that there's definitely a chance that... You know, someone made some tweet saying, like, all the Yankee fans are happy that the Rays lost. Meanwhile, they're going to bat 400 against Cole with all these singles and the yeah, gaps, yeah. you know, they're just going to be flaring <laughs> it over, bloopers, yep, flaring yep. it over the third baseman's head and all this kind of stuff. So the guardians have that kind of ability, right? The luck can just swing their way and they can just get all this contact, um, at the right time, you know, Stephen Kwan and, and the squad is going to be hitting mm-hmm. gappers. So if that ends up happening, obviously, um, Goliath can fall to David, but I think that, uh, based on, Based on uh, the overall matchup, I am definitely higher on the Yankees. I'm going to pick Yankees to win the series. I don't want to write off the Guardians completely, but I just think that Jose would have to do so much. Yeah, I don't have tons of faith in the supporting cast, the lower half of the order, like I mentioned, for the Guardians. The pitching is great. Bieber could definitely deal. He could win you a game. Uh, Tristan McKenzie could potentially win you a game, but I think... Um, the pitching for the Yankees is still very, very good, um, even if, even if it's not at the level of the Guardians. And then you are saying, okay, let's look at these batting orders. It's not close in my mind. The Yankees would have to get very, very cold offensively, mm-hmm. and Judge would have to get very cold offensively um, in order to uh, not win this series. But give me give me your take. It, it's the one series, Alex, that I'm just – it's – I think it's my – it's almost like my um, – it's almost like my Phillies and Cardinals from last um, from last series where I just it was such a toss up because like I mentioned Nola and Wheeler two games you need to win two games that seems like a done deal but the Cardinals have a very good team all year round it's a tough team to choose um, I'm still gonna go Yankees in this one Alex but it's just I think it's the one series I just don't know I I, I like you said I could be completely wrong I I still think that Cleveland has this magic to them. They still have this. We're the youngest team in Major League Baseball. We have kind of formed this brotherhood um, that, you know, we really can't be beaten. But, you know, Bieber and Tristan had very good starts in the in the wild card series. But to their sake, it was against the Rays offense, which I mean, you look at that offense. It's it's not really the best in baseball. Yeah, they are pesky. They do have some uh, some some good performers, but. I just don't see that kind of pitching staying consistent with the Bronx Bombers and the Yankees. I think the Yankees, I think the Yankees could take it to Bieber and could take it to Tristan McKenzie. I think they might even have Cal Crantrill going what game one, um, and you know could be right. I I don't know if Bieber would go game two since the whole American League has a couple more off days than the National League, so it could be interesting in that aspect. But I think that the Yankees should take care of business. Um, 
A slip up here, though, would not be surprising. I, I think that the Guardians are a team that could just play around with the Yankees and just keep on chipping away. And like you said, flares, singles, some doubles here and there. Not a lot of home runs possible. You could see Stephen Kwan go off with home runs at Yankee Stadium because of that short porch. Who knows? But um, I think the Yankees will win this series. But it's just a, it's a confusing series, in my opinion. It's one I would circle as don't write it off as the Yankees will win this no problem. They'll probably sweep. I think the series could be very interesting, but could be wrong. So, uh, you know, it'll be fun to watch and see what happens. But it, it just it's me. It's a it's a it's a tough pick. I still want to go with the Yankees. And it's kind of hard because I think I picked all the favorites, Alex. And I was about to say, I'm you're be wrong at one of them. Travis, you're chalk right I'm, now. I'm chalk right now. I'm, I'm going to be wrong at one of them. And so I think that this series, I could be wrong because I think the Guardians could have some sort of voodoo magic that. Sure. <laughs> Someone hey, so, hey, so, in the movie in Major League, they had voodoo magic on their side. So maybe that's something on this team right now. But it's 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 tough. Every year, someone has the devil magic working for them, but don't know who it's going to be. I'd be surprised if it's the Guardians. But I'll say this, Travis. I don't think the Guardians, especially J-Ram as their leader, he's not someone who I have ever imagined shying away from the moment, right? I think he yep. won't be afraid of the Yankee lights. No. I think he's. I can see him driving in that ballpark. Um, I think that the Guardians can definitely punch back right like if they get punched they can punch back i just think that the strength of the team is not strong enough for me to feel comfortable picking them so i'm still rocking with the yankees as my a choice but mm -hmm. uh oh, i i, I want to kind of say that um while i am riding off the guardians i think your kind of toss-up mentality there's something to it just because uh the yankees the second half has been a, a struggle and yep. I think it might be a losing record in like yep. the last couple months of the season. And that's so, what scares me. Yep. So that's the kind of thing where we're not going into October on the right foot. And the Guardians just won two games, albeit not very dominant fashion, but at least dominant pitching could be a good sign. I imagine Yankees hitters will do quite a bit better than some of the race hitters against those pitchers. Uh, but that being said, um, the Guardians have a puncher's chance for sure. Last thing I'll note on the series, I was really high on Cleveland in 2020, the short season when Bieber was like all world, like pitcher ace, like his breakout year. Um, Travis, I think that that was that Bieber season in 2020 is what made me start gambling because I <laughs> I didn't gamble before that. And for the Shane listeners, Bieber, you have now contributed contributed to my friend's gambling addiction. So I, yes. I, I have only gambled a few times. I am not <laughs> I am not addicted. But I will say that Travis, before that season, you, me, and our friend Mikey, we made like picks, and I picked Bieber to win the Cy Young mm -hmm. out of nowhere. Um, just liked his numbers, liked his 2019, thought he was going to continue getting better. And he was like, had the best pitching season I've ever seen. Obviously, short year, but um, when that happened, I was like, I know everything. Yeah. I got to start putting money on this because I know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, you go to Vegas and you get a couple picks wrong. But um, hey, we had good 2021 seasons, you know? We've been great. We've been great. I think we're probably, after this season, we'll see how it kind of ends up. I think we're <laughs> a little bit worse than last year, but yeah. uh, we'll cover that all uh, when all the awards are announced and stuff. But uh, back to this series. I remember in 2020, super high on Cleveland at the time. They went in against the Yankees in the first round. I was like, oh, Bieber's going to shove. That game won. The Yankees like lit him up. I think yeah. Stan took him deep or someone. Like, Glaber had home runs that series, I remember. I think I think maybe Gary Sanchez, too. I think too. it was like 11 ERA in, in, his, in his only playoff start. Yeah, yeah so like uh, the Yankees really hit the Cleveland, uh, at the time, Indians well. 
the, I, overall, there was still some punching back by the Indians. I remember that like Naylor had a monster game at some point. Yep, yep, Might have been game yep. two, I think. Monster series, I think, yeah. He might, did he get out? I think it was like I think it was like four for four. Like it was something two crazy. Runs, but he had he was, two he was doubles, mashing X-Brace hits, and that was kind of his coming out party where he was like, okay, this guy came over from San Diego in the Clevenger trade. Who is he? And has basically just made his appearance in in Cleveland. And and I mean, even this year, like I said, I think he's just had some of the craziest moments for the Guardians when it comes to big moment home runs. So could he have a big moment in New York? really could against a right-handed pitcher against Cole who throws good heat, good velo. He could easily, you know, put one together. So it's, I, I, you know, you could look at it and say the guardians will face a easier pitching staff possibly than the Rays, Cause I would say the Rays pitching staff was, you know, excellent, but you're going to face a much better hitting club than the Rays. So you kind of balances out there. Can they overcome both of those, you know, challenges and, and still, you know, piece up some wins here and there. But, uh, it should be exciting. It, yeah, it, it, that, that's like I said, one series I am just I'm still uncertain because the Cleveland could just be the team that just does not die and uh, puts together a couple wins here and there. So, Alex, that's uh, that sums it up. Looks like we have our picks Yankees have been going to Houston in the American League Championship Series. That, of course, another fun American League Championship Series that we've seen so many years of the past. You know, I think the over over since the since the Astros dominance since 2017 that that would be the third time they face in the in the league championship series um and i feel like the i think the astros continuously keep playing the nl east in the league championship series they play the red Sox or they play the yankees um or they play the Rays. so it's just funny how they literally cannot get away from the nl east but of course in the nl alex i have braves and the dodgers in the league championship series you of course have the phillies and the dodgers um like like I said, I, I picked all the favorites, so I I'm I'm, gonna, I'm more confident I'm going to be wrong on on that because I don't think every favorite can of course win this. The baseball and and brackets are not built that way, which people always get wrong. They can just look and see the favorites are going to win, pick those teams. That does not work how it happens. So if if I was right, I'd be pretty uh, pretty impressed. But uh, Phillies are going to be your dark horse team to go on to play LA, and that'd be of course really exciting that we'd see the six seed and the one seed um, battle it out. That that would be that'd be a series where I'd be Maybe, maybe I'd be buying some of that Phillies voodoo magic that we've been talking about because if they can get those two series wins, then it's kind of like, okay, you have a special team that's really hot right now. But um, anything else, I guess, to talk about? I think that wraps everything up for this episode. We covered it all. Uh, in under four hours. Right. This episode, hopefully, if you made it this far, you got here significantly faster than you did our last episode. Uh, longest one to date was last week. This one, just a nice about hour 50 we're talking right here. So much more manageable for you if you're just listening on your on your daily commutes. But uh, yeah, Travis, this episode, um, if they made it, if you listen, if uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> listeners, if you made it this far, thanks so much for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just